a friend told you to have your vitamin B12 level checked or to take vitamin B12 for your brain, did you know it's important after bariatric surgery too? Hi, a registered dietitian nutritionist, Dr. Susan Mitchell. Let's go beyond bariatric surgery and talk about everything you need to move on. Vitamin B12 plays a role in keeping your brain healthy and helping to prevent Alzheimer's disease. It's a critical nutrient that your body cannot make. It's very important after bariatric surgery. Stick around. Let's talk about why you need it and where to get it. If you've had bariatric surgery, you need a specific bariatric multivitamin, not an off-the-shelf version. There's a big difference. In Australia, choose BN Multi. Find them at beyondbariatricsurgery.com in the shop. Joining me via Skype from Orlando, Florida, is bariatric clinical dietitian Gail Brazzy-Smith. Gail is a bariatric dietitian for the Bariatric and Laparoscopy Center at Orlando Health. She's committed to a patient-first approach to providing nutrition services to both bariatric inpatients and outpatients in Central Florida. You can find out more about Gail on our website, beyondbariatricsurgery.com. Just click on the podcast for her episode and then the show notes. Welcome to the podcast, Gail. Hello, Dr. Susan. So nice to be with you this morning. Well, we have a lot of exciting things to talk about. A lot of questions on B12. It's in the news a lot because of aging or anti-aging, but it's a critical nutrient, particularly as we age or if you've had bariatric surgery, which is really your focus. So share, what do we need to know about vitamin B12? Well, Vitamin B12 is one vitamin in the group of B vitamins. It's water soluble, which generally means you don't store it in your body. But B12 is a bit unique. We do have B12 stores in our liver. Yeah, and the definition of a vitamin is that we can develop a deficiency and even an illness or disease if we don't get enough of it, right? That's right, Susan. And don't miss this, your body can't make vitamin B12, so you have to consume it in some way. It happens to be a vitamin that's only found in animal foods. So if you're vegan, meaning you eat no animal products, you're probably not consuming enough. Interestingly, you can get small amounts of B12 from mushrooms, but that's about the only plant food the, small, the amounts are small, and the B12 actually comes from the bacteria in the dirt on the mushrooms. So, I, yeah, I find that like really fascinating. So if you yes. wash and wipe them clean, does the B12 go down the drain, or is a bit of dirt, in this case, good for you? Oh, that is funny, yes. In fact, bacteria is where all of our B12 comes from, even in animal foods. So you can see... We can't live without our bacteria. B12 can only be made by certain bacteria, usually via the anaerobic pathway, meaning without oxygen. So B12 is made by this bacteria. It gets into the animal foods that we eat because the animals usually eat grass or foods that have the bacteria in them that have created the B12. Most of our daily B12 is going to come from these animal foods. So meats, dairy milk, eggs from foods that you've uh, have to you do have to add those foods. So also it is added to foods. So check your bre breakfast cereals or plant milks like soy to see if 
you're getting some that way too. Okay, so that's, uh, what about all the functions? You hear about B12 and you think, okay, uh, anti-aging brain, now we know bariatric surgery. What all does B12 do for our body? Yes, B12 is involved in both the brain and nerve functions and making of new blood cells. So if you become deficient, your symptoms come from these systems, the uh, central and per peripheral nervous systems. And these can be various signs, right? Like, so who's at risk for B12 deficiency? Well, if you've had bariatric surgery, you're really at risk. You may have a low intake just because you've had your surgery and you're eating less of everything and if you've had poor tolerance to milk and meat products right after surgery, then you may find yourself even eating less of them. Your absorption will be poor, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. So that's like and a triple whammy. Right. <laughs> right? <That's bad. laughs> yeah. And as, and as you mentioned, other people at higher risk are the vegans and everyone over 50 because the stomach acid decreases with age, which helps with absorption. So your body stores may already have been low even before surgery if you're in that group. Also, if, you're, if you've been taking anti-reflux medications called proton pump inhibitors or PPIs, you may be at risk too because the medication reduces the stomach acid again that is important for B12 absorption. And you know, a lot of people in the US take PPIs for GERD. And it's interesting that you say that because it doesn't always come right to mind that that may be an issue. So what I hear you saying is that you can have several things working against you that you might not even be aware of in respect to B12, surgery plus intolerance, uh, age, medication, food preference, or just the body's uh, inability to absorb, as we mentioned with age, as you get older. So let's talk more about how B12 is absorbed. I want you to understand why this becomes a problem for you if you've had surgery. Sure, that's a great idea, Susan. Your stomach produces a substance called the intrinsic factor, which binds to the B12 in the food that you've eaten and travels with the B12 into your intestine. It almost acts like a key to unlock the door and allow the B12 to be absorbed really well. Right, and again, the majority of these foods will always be animal base. So you think meat, red and white meats, including chicken and fish, and then eggs, milk, cheese, fortified products like some cereals or plant-based milks, as you mentioned earlier. So be sure and check your ingredient level because this can vary country to country. It can also vary brand to brand. So you want to look on the nutrition label or nutrition facts label, ingredient label, depending on where you live and see if B12 has been added or not, if it's a plant-based product. Yes, that's right. So we've said that you're eating less of these foods, but a big factor after surgery is your ability to actually absorb B12. Yeah, and I think that might be helpful here to talk about 
how B12 is absorbed in the normal stomach without surgery, then it'll be easier to understand why surgery is making this difference. Okay, yes, great. Well, the ability to absorb vitamin B12 requires the presence of two things in your stomach, the intrinsic factor that we mentioned before and stomach acid. The acid enables the B12 to be extracted from the foods that we eat and then the intrinsic factor enables it to be absorbed further down the intestine and actually the third part of the small intestine in the ileum. You know, it's quite <clears throat> complex, but I think it's so fascinating the way the body works. I believe that even if you have no intrinsic factor, you still may be able to absorb some B12 in your intestine passively. Is that correct? And, and kind of remind us how that works. The yes. human body is very cool, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so amazing. I love it. And that is so true. It's not as completely absorbed, but you still will get some across the intestine into the bloodstream that way via the passive absorption. In fact, there's a lot of sublingual vitamin B12 supplements available but recent evidence shows that there is really no mechanism to absorb the B12 under your tongue. So in fact, what you put under your tongue is eventually being swallowed and being absorbed in your intestine. You know, I think this is so important. So if you missed that a second ago, catch this. When you're reading all these ads for you gotta have sublingual B12, Ah, Gail just said no, that it's actually the swallowing, <laughs> the swallowing yeah. th that gets the B12 going down into the body. So you don't have to pay that extra money for sublingual versus oral because there's nothing special about them. So you can, as long as you're swallowing that B12, you're going to get the benefit, right, Gail? Yes. It's fine to take them, but there's really no advantage over oral. I guess you might be, you know, breaking it down or in your mouth for better absorption, but overall it's the same. Okay, so now that we're clear on how you absorb B12, let's look at the different surgeries and how they affect absorption. Sure, if we start with gastric banding, there should be no malabsorption because nothing has been removed you do still risk not consuming enough foods though so you still may need the supplement with the gastric sleeve you've had about 80 percent of your stomach removed and with that goes most of the cells that improve that produce that intrinsic factor that we said binds to the b12 and gets it across into the intestine for absorption those same cells also produce stomach acid it's actually hydrochloric acid. Without these two factors, you're going to fall back on passive absorption, and that is not as effective, which is why you need a much higher dose or intake than someone who has not had the surgery. With gastric bypass, while the whole stomach is still in there, the cells that produce that intrinsic factor and the acid are not going to come in contact with the food. So again, we're relying on that passive absorption, same as the sleeve. The part of the intestine where vitamin B12 is, is absorbed has not been bypassed, so you can still absorb the B12 passively. Now, the BPD or duodenal switch 
this surgery has the greatest risk because much more of the intestine has been bypassed. Vitamin B12 is absorbed at the end of the intestine though, so there is still the opportunity to absorb passively. For all these surgeries, we recommend regular blood tests and your surgeon determines how often based on your type of surgery and your levels. But it is really important to keep up with this regimen of testing long after you've forgotten maybe who your surgeon was. Yeah, I, at I, least, I, think, yeah. Uh, that, I think that's so critical what you just said, because I think p people often say, well, I just had it tested after my surgery and I was fine. And what you're saying is that this level can change up and down over time, really the rest of your life post-surgery. So you have to pretty much stay on it. And the easiest way to stay on it is to continue to take your supplement and have it checked on occasion. Is that correct? Is that your recommendation? Absolutely. Yes, that is really one big difference between uh, a, a general vi multivitamin and a bariatric vitamin too. And, and it's such a good reminder because B12, like you were saying, is really the only B vitamin that gets stored in your body a little bit in the liver. So it could take a while before you start to show low levels on your pathology. So making sure you're taking your supplement from the beginning and don't just stop because your levels are okay is really a protocol for success. Absolutely, you must take it at least you know once a week or every couple of days. And talk about that in terms of the big difference you mentioned a minute ago between an off the shelf uh, multi and a bariatric multivitamin. I, I don't think that most people are aware of this. Regular multivitamins may not even have B12 in them, or if they do, it's a very small amount. The RDA for vitamin B12 is only about 2.5 micrograms per day. Okay, and that is in the US our recommendation for how much B12 um, <clears throat> a regular person without surgery needs on a daily basis, right, Gail? Right. Okay. But the bariatric surgery patient may need more like 350 to 500 micrograms per day. So that is a big difference. And I can't stress enough this enough how important it is. And some patients will receive it intramuscularly, IM, and that dosage is by the physician, but it's usually about a thousand micrograms each month. So, you know, this is really incredible what you're saying, the, the RDA in the U.S., 2.5 micrograms, but after surgery, 350 to 500 micrograms. That's huge. It's huge. I mean, so, it's absolutely huge. Exactly. So, so now in Australia, we recommend the BN Multi, which contains 500 micrograms B12 in a daily dose. In the U.S., there's a range of companies with the right dosing. So check yours. Um, talk to your dietitian about it. Gail, let's talk about what can happen if you don't get enough B12. Well, B12 deficiency results in anemia, fatigue, tingling in the hands and the feet, or burning or a burning sensation. We call that parathesis or parathesia. You can experience loss of appetite, which could be hard to judge with the surgeries, but the degradation of the nerves, which at its extreme could put you in a wheelchair or confused or even thought to have dementia. You know, this is a serious problem and it's one that everyone 
who has had surgery or you're thinking about surgery, you've got to be aware of this uh, because if you start having signs and symptoms to go right away and say, you know what, could it be this? Could it be B12? Exactly. That's right. Uh, because some of this is not reversible over the long term. We see the dementia and loss of feeling in the hands and feet that can be permanent. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. And we don't need to be seeing dementia or loss of feeling in your hands and feet because you decide to have bariatric surgery. So really take home this point, it's so important. Do you have any case studies uh, of people with abnormal levels that you can share? For example, we had a listener report that her B12 is deficient despite B12 injections. And so the doctors basically given up trying to get it right. What could be happening here? Do you know anything about the condition known as SIBO and whether this might be a cause? Yeah, we have had some patients that need higher doses of B12 and more frequent administration due to possibly being deficient even prior to surgery, which makes it more difficult to catch up or their intestines just really may not absorb the B12 very well. We, we have had some patients come to the hospital with lack of coordination with their walking and being referred to us for evaluation since they did have bariatric surgery in their past history. And very often, this is the problem. It's the B12 that's super low. Wow. I'm wondering, okay, so I think a question that would be asked is, does it differ the amount of B12 that you need based on the different surgeries? Well, all weight loss surgery patients need a high dose supplementation. Like we've said, the 350 to 500 micrograms orally or the monthly B12 injections. But the key is if you were deficient prior to surgery, and I don't know if all surgeons are doing pathology pre-surgery, but they should be. Well, if their patient is already deficient, then it truly is harder to catch up. For someone who remains low after in, an injection, I would be talking to the doctor about maybe daily or three or four times a week IM injections until they reach that normal level. I wouldn't be giving up on that. As you say, small intestine and bacterial overgrowth or SIBO could be a factor there as well. And that is really a whole different discussion for another podcast episode. Very interesting. Okay, we'll be sure to do that, Gail. Uh, okay, anything that I missed today that you want to add, that you're thinking, I, I really want this message to come home. Make sure that you are taking your B12 because it is definitely so important and really you'll never have to stop taking that one. Even if your blood tests have been fine for years, you still need to be taking it. It is truly vital. And really take a look at the bariatric vitamins because they always have the B12 in them. And they also have many of the other nutrients that the bariatric patient needs. So you don't have to take so many different ones. I think that's great advice. And I want to clarify one thing that listeners that you may be thinking, okay, I'm not quite sure on what she said. So if your lab tests say blood tests, B12 is fine. Most people will think if it's fine, I don't need to take supplements. 
but what you're saying is that in bariatric surgery, that high level need remains day after day over time. And if you were to stop taking the supplement, you're going to most likely see a decline in that blood level status? Right, because we can store B12 perhaps one or two years, but eventually that's gonna you know, deplete unless you're continuing to take that supplement either daily, twice weekly, or once a week, depending on you and your surgery that you've had. Okay. Oh, that is such a great discussion, Gail. Thank you very much for your time today and your expertise. Will you come back again? Sure, Susan. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. So you've heard B12 is a significant risk for you if you've had any type of bariatric surgery. There are clear guidelines on the, the dose you need to take every day or several times a week, as you heard Gail say, to avoid problems. But you want to keep up those blood tests too over time just to be sure so that you don't have the problems with your nerves and dementia and the other many things that she mentioned. It's so important to hear about all these issues you can face and what you can do about them to stay empowered and to move on. Here on the Beyond Bariatric Surgery podcast, we're all about your success. We want to give you as many tools for your toolbox as we can. Be sure when you're on our website, beyondbariatricsurgery.com, check out the courses we're offering. They rotate. We'll have a lot of new ones coming up in the next and the months to come. Your support of our various courses, our products, our supplements enables us to bring you the best podcast possible. And we so appreciate you. Talk again soon. Beyond Bariatric Surgery is produced and owned by Practicalories, LLC. All rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host, Great Ideas in Nutrition, or Practicalories, LLC.